welcome to episode 83 of the Lace Month Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Buff. In our last episode, we talked about what Las Vegas did in the expansion draft. Today, we're going to tell you what they did on draft day, as in the 2017 NHL entry draft. We're also going to talk about what the other teams did, uh, some shockers, some sleeper picks that you need to know about. We also have trades that could have really been used on deadline day. Instead, they decided to leave it to us on probably the busiest week of the year. Thank you, Gary Bettman. Uh, So we're going to talk about those, including a blockbuster between Chicago and Columbus. And uh, we also have some signings. Um, A capital got paid. What does that mean for the rest of the organization who's on their way out? Because they don't exactly have money growing on trees at the moment. And um, also... um, Someone of the Anaheim Ducks is getting a long-term contract, uh, not who you think it might be. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 83 in the NHL. Jay Beagle has worn that number with the Capitals for several years, as has Halish Emski since his days with the Oilers. Um, just quickly taking a look, Matt Benning wore that number this year with the Oilers. Uh, Peter Sellerick with the uh, Brett's Bruins this year, also wearing that number. Vernon Fiddler with the Predators this year, uh, also wore that number. And Matt Nieto with the Sharks and the Avalanche, as well as Thomas Nosek, of, uh, formerly of the Red Wings, now the Vegas Golden Knights, who we just talked about in episode 82. So to all them and to all the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Uh, so we're uh, back. Uh, I hope you had a good 24 hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, uh, I don't know. I think we, we explained this uh, last, on last week, our last episode, that uh, we uh, were recording this back-to-back, basically, so... Uh, we just talked about Vegas, we just talked about the awards, now we're talking about everything else, including the entry draft. We're going to start uh, today with the uh, Nico Heischer uh, was the first overall pick. I think I kind of alluded to this before, where I thought Nico Heischer was better than Nolan Patrick, and I thought, like, the Devils should pick Nico Heischer. He has, uh, like, a 1.5 games points per game, whereas Nolan Patrick didn't really... Um, have that at all. Um, I think he has, like, I think Nolan Patrick has, like, a 1.2. What is it? Um, let me look quickly. While you're looking at that, I should say, Nico, he sure is the first ever Swiss-born player yeah. to be taken number one overall. Yeah, I was, about to, I was about to say that. Nolan Patrick uh-huh. had a 1.4 points per game. Um, whereas uh, Nico Heischer had a 1.5 point per game. So it's not as big of a difference as I thought it would be. But um, And Nolan Patrick was also injury-prone. Let that yeah, be known. He only played and in, was, I think, That was another games. reason why I thought, like, oh, well, I guess uh, Nico Heischer is better. Um, also, um, I was just explaining to this to, uh, to Steve before the show, uh, the Halifax Mooseheads had, in their 23-year history... I have had 10 players drafted in the first round. Uh, Heischer, 
um, was the second first overall pick from the Halifax Mooseheads. McKinnon was the first. Um, if, if we just want to go quickly, Heischer, Timo Meyer, Nikolai Ellers, Druen, McKinnon, Vorsek, Logan McMillan, Pascal Leclerc, Alex Tengway, and J.S. Jaguar are the other are the ten players um, from Halifax. Also, Brad Marchand is a Halifax Moosehead too. So um, there's that. Uh, it's just a cool thing for uh, the QMJHL that like this one team has had a lot of success um, in their short, in a short period of time since they've existed. So that's kind of cool on that end. Um, yeah, so we're gonna, but uh, we'll start with uh, Nico Heischer. I I think I th- I would be for this for uh, the Devils. Um, I don't know if there was some talk that he uh, he might even play in the AHL a bit because he just needs to um, gain get more muscle somehow. But I I I could see him being on the Devils for a bit. Um, he'll play probably with uh, Taylor Hall. Uh, be a good center for them. It's it's the right pick for them. Um, so I like it. But uh, um, w- would you, if you were in the Devils' position, ratio, um, who would you have picked? Heisher, Nico. Well, what's also to keep in mind is that this guy was a rookie. Yep. At six foot one, this guy was a rookie. He knows how to make plays. He's tough to contain. The Devils need all of that. He scored 38 goals and 86 points in 57 games as a rookie in the Q League. And he only got 24 penalty minutes. The Devils need disciplined goal scoring. And it's one thing if you can dominate at any level. It's another thing entirely if you can dominate and adapt to the pace of a league in just a short amount of time like this guy did. As a matter of fact, on October the 26th, he had a six-point game. The most of any rookie in Moosehead's history. And when you consider that franchise develop guys like Drew End, like we mentioned, and Nathan McKinnon, who we also mentioned, that really says a lot about this kid. And the fact of the matter is we got to see this guy dominate at the world junior hockey level in his draft year. We got to see him score at a point-per-game pace on the biggest junior hockey stage, the World Juniors. Nolan Patrick was forced to miss months of ice time due to injury this year. He had to miss the World Junior Showcase because of that injury. And in my opinion, that's why the Devils went with Nico Heischer. The bigger draft showing won them over. And yep. that's why Nico Heischer is their top pick. Yeah. Um, I think it's the right... I think it's one of those things where I don't think you can go wrong yeah. with either one. But I think Nico is has higher potential. And especially with Nolan Patrick, who's had injury history. Um, not just this year, but I think he was injured a couple of years before, too. So... Um, I, I don't know. I think uh, this uh, was a good it was a good pick on the Devils to pick him first. Um, all right. uh, also in the draft, Vegas stole the show again. Uh, they had three picks. Um, the last time this happened was uh, uh, last time a team had three picks was the Bruins, of course. But um, this time it was spread out. So they had the sixth pick, which was Cody Glass, who. Um, who was pretty good, actually. I was looking at his stats the other day. He, he looked pretty good. They also have uh, Nick Suzuki, who's also... Um, who I was looking at his stats, too. He, he looked pretty good. Um, and Eric Brandstrom, um, who's a defenseman. Um, and he could be pretty good as well. Um, yeah, so quick, just quickly, 
Uh, Nick Suzuki has the same amount of points per game as Nico Heischer did, 1.5. Nick Suzuki had 96 points in 65 games in the OHL, which is 1.5 points per game. Also, um, Cody Glass is pretty good, too. He had 69, uh, 94 points in 69 games, um, is, uh, you know, in the WHL. Um, it looks like uh, Suzuki has uh, had 45 goals, which is insane. Um, and He only uh, had 20 the year before yeah. and 38 points the year before as well. So he made big strides this year, as did Cody Glass, who Cody before Glass had 32 goals and 94 points, he yeah. had 10 goals and 27 points. Yeah, Cody Glass. So in a span of a year, both guys matured. Yeah, they Co- matured big time. It's not, yeah, nothing to laugh at for Cody Glass either. He also had 62 assists. Um, in 69 games, which is is, is pretty impressive yeah, as well. So almost an assist per game. That's huge. Yeah, um, Eric Brandstrom. Uh, he's he seems to be he doesn't have a ton of points. He's not like a points guy. He only had six points in 35 games um, in his last um, in the Swedish league. But he seems to be more of a defensive defenseman. Um, and they also uh, got the Vegas, but that's not to worry because Vegas also got Nicholas Haig. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, in the second round, who had 46 points in 65 games, who's a defenseman. That's pretty good for a defenseman, 46 points in 65 games. It's about like point seven, that's 70% um, or 0.7 points per game. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty good for them. Uh, they also, what I kind of find funny about this, too, is Nick Suzuki, yep. in the two seasons of OHL hockey that he's played in, he's combined for just 14 penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Nick Haig has combined for 191 penalty minutes over the last two seasons. And just polar opposites. I mean, Kurt Suzuki, or not, Nick I, Suzuki. Get, I get Nick Suzuki and Kurt Suzuki mixed up. Kurt Suzuki's yeah. a baseball catcher. Yep. Nick Suzuki... Um, is only five foot eleven. Nick Haig is six foot six. Yeah. That's so two completely different players. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh. Yeah. No, you you hit it right. I think I think that's enough for them. But uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, like, it's needless to say. I think I have, George McPhee called it an A plus effort by scouting staff. I think they got a little bit of everything in this draft. Yeah. Um, also in this, uh, but yeah, I thought it was because we just talked about it last, yesterday. It's weird to say it because considering we just recorded that episode, but, um, the, uh, how like Vegas was just going for young people. And I think they nailed it in their first draft with these, especially with these first three picks. So, um, yeah, really set the tone as well. They also drafted a former Senator Curtis Lissish and his son, Jake. They also took him. It's um, yeah. It's also like uh, like there's a pretty good chance that like Cody Glass and Suzuki, um, and Brandstrom will probably play either this season or next season too, um, which is good too, because considering how like short of players Vegas still has, so um, yeah. there's a pretty good chance that could happen. Uh, Finns. Uh, also ruled the first round. They had six fin- Finland players, um, including three defensemen. Uh, Miro Heskinen, Heskinen. I'm going to butcher so many pronunciations here. Um, but I'm going to try my best here. I'm sorry if you're Finnish. Um, I'll try my best. 
Um, I love Tuka Rast, so there's that. <laughs> uh, and consolation. Um, Miro Hiskinen went third overall. Uh, let's see here. Yusuf Valamaki went to the Calgary Flames. By the way, uh, Heskinen went to the Dallas Stars. Um, yeah, imagine him and Klingberg yeah. uh, on the same team. And, of course, the Bruins picked the hardest person to pronounce. I'm going to try here. Yurko Vakaninen, I think it is. Um, he's a... Cool, so now if I had the whole draft on mute, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg I wonder Jets. if the GM even knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sweeney, Sweeney actually pronounced it pretty well. He seemed he he said it like uh, in like uh, in confidence. So I'll I'll take a word that that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Christian Veselainen was uh, went to the Winnipeg Jets, which was a Columbus Vegas type trade, which was like Columbus traded it uh, to Vegas and then. Winnipeg got Columbus's pick, and they picked Christian Veselainen. Um, and uh, Henry Yokoharu, who went to the Blackhawks, and Ely Tolvavin, who we'll talk about in a bit, um, went to the Nashville Predators right after. Interesting note about um, the, the Chicago pick. It was announced by both Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Yeah. Uh, and um, which Patrick Kane had that one-liner... Uh, where he told Jonathan Taze, just remember I went two spots higher than you. <laughs> that is funny. Um, but yeah, so the Finns uh, are looking good. Um, it is kind of cool, though, considering last year Patrick Liney and yes, Jess... Uh, I'm going to mispronounce Jesse, that. Guy. Jesse Pugliarvi. Pugliarvi. Um, you know, so it, it looks like the you know Finns are kind of taking over the league. I mean, they kind of already are with... Uh, um, a lot of there's a lot of good Finnish players out there now. Um, as but there's I just a lot of big Tuka. name Finnish players out yeah, there yeah. now. As I just mentioned, Tuka, um, Sammy Vatanen is one of them. Um, I'm just thinking on the top of my head of all these Finnish players. Uh, I mean, I mean, actually, let me look, just look this up quickly. Um, Miku Koivu, Barkov, Rask. Mikhail Granlund is uh, also Finnish, right? I thought he was the Minnesota Swedish. Wild. I'm pretty sure he's. I'm pretty sure he's Finnish. I thought he was Swedish. Uh, Pekarine, Sammy Vatanen, Leo Komarov, Timo Polkinen, who's now a Vegas Golden Knight. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's about it in terms of noble. Uh, UC Saros is also Finnish. He could be a goalie of the future for Nationals. Well, right. I'm pretty sure he's Finnish. Oh, you're right. Granlin is Finnish as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so the point being is that the Finnish are kind of taking over. It's, it's usually like this is a league that has a lot of can- Canadians, Americans, and like a mixture of Swedish, Czechs, and Finns. So uh, Finns are a little bit stronger now. But yeah, um, that was interesting. Um, I don't know if you have anything more on that. No, it, it's um, it, it's interesting to see how. Um how the scope of, of the game has evolved. And it's it's not just, you know, one country that's dominating the yep. draft. I mean, a couple of years ago, he had Nikolai Ehlers yep. being a first-round draft points. How many Danes have gone in the first round, you know? Right. And also, like, so, he, and the Swiss, speaking of that, like, the Swiss, uh, he sure was a, was a Swiss-born guy, and he's the first yep. Swiss uh, player 
to be picked. So, uh, yeah, they're getting strong as well. So, I mean, it's, it's weird, too, when you, like, because I, I follow baseball and football and sometimes basketball as well, but, like, hockey's perhaps the most diverse sport of all four of the sports that I watch. It's just, uh, like, it's really, like, it's why, like, the Olympics are so special, really, is because, like, like, Canada is the big favorite, usually, but, like, you know, there are strong teams, though, there everywhere, so, um, yeah, there's that, and it's kind of, it's kind of cool that, uh, that's, you know, it's like a worldly game, basically. I mean, I guess, other than soccer, which, like, everyone outside of North America loves, but, um, but it's it's nice to see that yeah. the the growth of hockey, like we're we're yeah. seeing it in front of our eyes, it's and it's wide. it's just like it's not just you know you yeah. know essentially dominated by the Americans. It's like it's it's the U.S., it's Canada, it's Finland, it's yeah. Sweden. Like it, anyone could be the top pick from yeah. any country if if they're if they're good enough to be the top pick, they'll take it. The Especially like in like back in like the nineties and eighties, it like used to just be Canadian players. Yeah. Who are like the superstars, and now there's like so many superstars and diff- who are from different countries. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of American superstars, but now there are more Americans, and you know, pretty soon there are going to be a lot more Swedish and Finnish and all those guys. So there's that. Um, Dallas, uh, so Dallas picked Miro Heskinen, which was a, a good a good idea because they needed defensemen. I don't know if he'll make the roster next year but um it's it's a good pick for them i think they i think he needs to play like a season in the ahl like i want uh, like the thing with these europeans i want to see him play at the north american level before i really evaluate like how good they are yeah i could see that uh jake edding also dallas made uh jake edinger who is got the first goalie taken in the first round since Ilya samsonov in 2015 he's committed to go to bu this year so um, I think he's probably going to be um, on the team for a bit. Uh, on, in well, Dallas, he was with, he was with uh, BU uh, this year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, but he, uh, I think he's he's going to remain in Oh, BU he's, he's going to remain there? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, so. I, he's, he's more like that goaltending prospect that Dallas needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so at least with Ben but, Bishop, you know, he's got time to develop. But it's one of those things that, like, they Dallas needs a goalie now, which I guess they have with Ben Bishop. But, like, but they, they need have, a long-term goalie of the yeah, future. And they that don't guy have is going to be uh, Jake Edinger. Um. Interesting fact about him, uh, uh, kicking off the Frozen Four this year, 56 saves and a double OT win over North Dakota. That's impressive. That is impressive. Um, All right, so now we'll get to surprises here. Um, I can let you – I can, like, be your uh, Don McLean to your Don Cherry, and I'll just give you, like, (laughs) Owen Tippett. What do you have on Owen Tippett? Um, But uh, it was – Oh, it's a good Canadian Canadian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, so the big surprise here was that, I mean, there was a chance, we knew that there was a chance that Dallas and Colorado would get a defenseman, um, because that was their biggest need. They don't really have a ton of defenseman prospects. So, uh, they went and so Dallas got Heskinen, Colorado got Kale McCarr, and we thought that there was a chance, you know, then this would mean that Gabe Velarde... Owen Tippett would uh, be the next guys in line that 
Vancouver and Vegas would pick. But instead, the Canucks went with Elias Peterson, um, who is also not a terrible player. He's a lot like a two-way center um, as well, but um, as well as I'm saying, like the other guy um, who uh, the Rangers picked seventh overall was Leas Anderson. Um, but, you know, Owen Tippett and Gabe Lavardi on a lot of mock drafts that I was seeing, like, those guys, like, I saw, like, Dallas was potentially um, going to take Velarde. Uh, I saw that on a lot of mock drafts. So, um, but, yeah, so Velarde dropped to the 11th to the LA Kings. Owen Tippett dropped to 10th to the Florida Panthers. I feel like that's a steal. Um, also, I uh, missed uh, Casey Middlestad, went to the Buffalo Sabres. It's a risky pick for them, but um, I could see that working out for them as well. Um, and Michael Rasmussen went ninth to the Red Wings, um, which is an interesting pick. But um, since you are an OHL guy, I'll let you t- uh, tackle um, how good Tippett and Velarde are, because you've probably seen them play. Yeah, I've I've probably seen them more than you have. Um, just uh, quickly taking a look and at by probably uh, you have because I haven't seen them play. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, okay. So I got Owen Tippett's numbers here. I can. I think I, this is. Yeah. I think this is probably why his stock fell a little bit in his rookie year. He had 15 goals and five assists. Okay. Wow. So 20 points. You know, 15 goals. But like on the but, in the draft, they were comparing him to like. Um, they were comparing him to Phil Kessel, which I thought was an uh, interesting comparison. And, like, yeah. you know, I don't know. And he also had 44 goals. I'm looking at his stats here, too. Exactly. So he went from 15 to 44 goals in a year, finished with yeah. 75 points in 60 games, also added 10 goals and 19 points in 20 playoff I mean, games. Yeah. And that probably helped his uh, draft stock a, a little bit. But you're right. Most mock drafts had him as a top five pick. Um, instead he's a top 10 pick with the Panthers and another solid well, prospect. Well, Villar, uh, t- oh yeah, Tippett went 10th, sorry. I thought he went 12th for some reason. Sorry, go on. No, he, yeah. he, uh, Owen Tippett went 10th. Yep. Uh, right after him, Gabe Velarde, he had top 10 material written all over him as well. Um, Even but again, five. the European selections kind of put him into the King's lap at number 11. Um, while he didn't dominate like Nico uh, Heischer or Patrick, um, he's awfully tough to knock off the puck, and now he's going to be heading to a team that will be very nice fit for him. He's going to learn a lot from Kopitar and Dustin Brown and all those good veteran guys on the Kings. Yep. And I think those experienced veterans are really going to lead to a promising career for him. And surprise, surprise, he's a solid two-way center just like Kopitar. So oh, yeah, of uh, course. good on uh, Gabe Velarde. I, I think that's going to be a really nice fit for him. Uh other surprises that uh, of players that dropped down a bit from what ex- was expected, Timothy Lilligren uh, dropped down a bit. He was a lot like a uh, Nolan Patrick, where he was like projected to be the one or two. He's a projected a, top three pick bef- yeah. uh, a year ago. Yeah, this a, time year a year ago. ago. Before. Yeah. Um, and then injuries did him in. He had like mono uh, uh, by the time that like the World Juniors happened, so he wasn't on uh, Team Sweden, and then he just never got started, really. Um, he was, like, I guess they were saying on the um, on the broadcast that, like, he didn't really get a ton of playing time, and then when he uh, switched 
to another team. He got better and played better too, and got more playing time as well. But, but he, he w- just didn't have a yeah. good draft year, and that's and that's what did him in. Yeah, um, I I have faith that he'll be good. Unfortunately, he w- I w- I was thinking about this because so it was like the Calgary Flames pick, um, which was the 16th pick. Then it was Toronto, and then Boston. And I was just thinking like. Uh, Toronto better not pick Lilligren. They just they can't. And of course, like, they pick Lilligren. I just like that would be the steal of the century if like we got Lilligren, McAvoy, and it uh, wouldn't be the steal of the century. It'd be the Carl. snipe of the century. It's yeah. just like ah, you want him not like, too bad. Yeah, especially with like we had McAvoy and Carlo, and now we have Lilligren. It's just would be nuts. But like, so Toronto has him now, which is. Now it's scary because he's now in my division, and now I have to hate him. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was a, I like that pick for Toronto, though. I mean, there is a potential that he will never reach to what he's projected as. But uh, you know, there's a couple of those guys. But um, I, I like that pick for them. Uh, Another for guy that people haven't been talking about: Callan Foot. 14th overall to the Tampa Bay Lightning. If yep. that name should be familiar to you, his father was Adam Foote, played with the Avs oh, for right. many years. Uh, in yeah, Kelowna, he, he, he too, played in 71 games, got 57 points. Yep. I mean, you just consider the fact that uh, they just got Mikhail Sergachev. Yep. Now they have Callum Foote as well. And they, and I was just watching uh, the draft um, unfold on, uh, on a Saturday, and they were just showing um, a little... A, a little glimpse of like the normal skate, and then the skate that Callum Foot uses—it's oh. ginormous. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I, I, I another f- first round pick that Yarsman should be proud of. Um, the uh, the other surprise that I thought was falling, I'm kind, I'm still kind of pissed that the Bruins didn't take him, but um, but he ended up going to the uh, opposite. To the other conference, so I'm, I'm less okay with it. I'm okay with it now. Uh, he goes to Edmonton. It's Kalier Yamamatu. Um, he had 99 points in 65 games, 1.5. Um, he's also five points. He's five, like six, I think it is. Let me see. He's five foot eight. Five foot eight. Um, he, they said that he's like the shortest first round pick ever. That's my size. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, he's like, uh, he's a, I'm a couple, I'm like five, uh, well, I'm six, five, so I'm a little bit taller than him. Um, <laughs> a little bit taller, five, yeah. eight versus six, five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit taller. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, am I a foot taller? It's like, uh, yeah, six, five. And then I got this. And then I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm taller than him. But, uh, but like but in the previous two years yeah. though, like. He, he was he was pretty close to a point well, like, per game guy. He like twenty three goals and fifty seven points in his first year. Nineteen yeah. goals, seventy one points, fifty seven games in the second. So, uh, he, he, if you want a consistent goal scorer, this guy can bring it. It's just the size really hampered him. And yep. and 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 I think this is what the Oilers needed. It my my intrigue was to see okay. Now that the Oilers don't have a top five pick, what are they going to do? Yeah, are they going to make a wise decision? And I think this was the best decision they could have made. Yeah, I agree. I I love this pick, but um, like especially when you look in the league at the league right now, 
Like small guys are leading the way. Like um, oh yeah, Tyler Johnson, a big Tyler example. Johnson, a big example. Johnny Goudreau, Nikita Kucherov. I think uh, Crosby is uh, under six feet as well. Patrick Kane's pretty short. Um, you know, there's a lot of short guys in the league who are really good um, now, and I feel like you know it's well, just give him time and like like that's why Johnny Goudreau slipped so far. Kucherov and um, Tyler Johnson slipped so far down. Their draft year was just because of their short, their shortness. But you know, if if you're speedy, that more than makes up for your size. And um, especially in this day and age, where like it's less on being an enforcer and hitting guys, it's more about like skill level and um, how fast you are with the puck and without the puck. It's like um, you know, speed matters more, and I feel like the height difference doesn't matter as much as it used to be, um, just because it's, like, less, um, likely to happen, if that makes sense. Um, so, I don't know, I like this pick, I feel like he'll, he'll be pretty good, um, I could even see him maybe making the, uh, making the league in, like, two years, even, um, we'll, we'll see, um. I'm kind of, uh, I'm envious of Edmonton, by the way. Um, we'll talk about, so Yamamoto, we talked about uh, Ryan Poling. Um, this is another guy that I thought the Bruins should take a risk on at 18. but he Instead, went, he went to another division and, rival. And he went to, um, yeah, and, <laughs> and then he went to my, the evil empire of hockey, uh, Montreal, um, the thing that interests me more is, like, when you look at his stats this year, he had seven goals, six assists, and uh, 35 games. However, he played in the NCAA, um, which is uh, v- very hard, like, even harder um, than, like, a lot of these guys played. Um, like, I mean, like, there's, you know, I mean, I guess it's the equivalent of any CHL league. But, like, you know, you also have guys like um, Casey Middlestad, who, who are, who's in high school. Kale McCarr is, like, in juniors, um, even further down. So it's, like, um, I feel like it's just impressive that he was in college, and that's what, and I feel like um, that would be worth the risk of doing it, is that, like, he showed that he could, um, that he wants to take that initiative, and he he's playing for St. Cloud State. Um, I like the pick. I know it's risky, um, but I, I like I like Montreal's pick. It could very well fail for them as well, though. At the same time, but I like the pick. I don't know if you have anything okay. to say on that. Nah, I, I I just I just included in my list simply because I know it was on your radar. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's it doesn't blow me away with his stats. But I mean, you would think you know if he goes in the first round, they obviously yep. see talent in him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. Though I'll say that. Yep. Um. Uh, Michael DiPietro, which is your guy. Um, yep. He was the third goalie taken. Um, Adinger was the first, and then this. Thin guy, uh, Yurho, uh, Pekka, something, something, who went to Buffalo in the second round. Lekkonen, I think his name is. 
Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Let me look it up. Uh, anyways, uh, Michael DiPietro is going to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they have an interesting uh, dilemma in their hands, kind of the equivalent to Luongo and Schneider a couple of years ago, because they also have Thatcher Demko in their system as well. Um, so that should be an interesting uh, thing to see in a couple of years when they're both, you know, um, developed in, in the league. It's a Yuko Pekka Lukanen uh, who went to uh, Buffalo. But yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I thought Buffalo, if they'd be wise to take a chance on Mike Pietro because, yep. you know, what if Robin Leonard doesn't pan out? Because um, right. I think this guy is franchise goalie material. At the like, same time, though, uh, Yuko Pekka Lakunin, I think, had better stats than um, than DiPietro. Let me just look this up quickly. Um, but yeah, you can you can go on. They must have pretty good stats because um, DiPietro okay. is he's capable of winning thirty or more games at the OHL yeah. level. Yeah. Um, to, to get him early in the third round is is a steal for the Yuko, Canucks. All right, I have I have his stats up here. Yuko okay. Pekka Lakunin in 35 games had a 1.78 GAA and a save percentage of 9.917. DiPietro, as I also have here, had a 2.35 GAA and a 9.17 save percentage. So they have the same save percentage, uh, just uh, this guy had a, a better GAA, a 1.78 GAA. So, yeah. Well, uh, see, Robin Leonard, though, in his draft year, like, he was highly touted. Yep. Uh, I think Mike DiPietro is going to have the most success out of the first two goalie, the first three goalies taken, uh, at, oh, Ettinger and uh, what's-his-name that got drafted by the Sabres. Because just looking at this guy, this – this guy has just been through a lot. Like yeah, uh, he lost, he, he lost his birth mother at a young age uh, due to cancer, and um, um, like uh, the 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 friendship that he has with his dad and, and his his stepmom as well, um, and just just growing up in Windsor, playing for his hometown team, helping his hometown team win a Memorial Cup, just the compete level that he has, the love that he has for this game. He's eager to win. He's very acrobatic. He compares himself mobility-wise to Jonathan Quick. Um, and he, he realizes what he needs to improve on. And that's what's gotten him to this point. And it's just in those pressure moments, he just seems so calm, so unfazed by the yeah. whole thing. And when you have a franchise goalie, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for those traits that cannot be seen through those stats. That can only be seen when you watch him play. And if I'm looking at the Buffalo Sabres and their situation, Robin Leonard at some times looks a bit phased, looks a bit rattled in the heat of the moment. And that's why I was thinking, you know, Mike DiPietro could be a solid guy for them. Yep. Or even a team like Arizona, who they don't really have a bona fide number one starter right now. DiPietro could be that guy. I'm a bit shocked that Buffalo and Arizona decided to not take a chance on DiPietro. And what's even more interesting is that the Canucks did, because you're right, they do have Thatcher Demko in the system. And my fear is that this could become Tuka Rass versus Justin Pogge part two, and that at some point they're going to be like, okay, 
we're going to have to keep one of these guys. We're going to have to trade him. Who do we keep? Who do we give or, away? Or and I'm sure the, Brett's Bruins are saying, please, whoever you trade, trade him to us. He can yeah. be the next Tuka Rask. Yep. <laughs> just, or, like, uh, just like the whole Pogi and Rask thing played out in Toronto. Uh, Toronto got burned on that yeah, trade, yeah. but... Um, well, it's it, also it's, it's, it's really it's really going to be interesting to see how that plays out because yeah. um, I, I really I really think that the Canucks are are due to try to make amends for that whole Schneider Luongo yeah. mishap. I was about to mention that that they got burned on that too. I feel like that's the better comparison than Pogi and uh, Rask, but uh, like because Luongo and uh, Schneider were like two great goalies. Um, but they <laughs> Canucks trade both of them, um, so yeah. But that. see, see, Luongo is established already. These are two talented prospects right, that point. are fighting for one job. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why I made the Pogi uh, Ras comparison. And Canucks, yeah. yeah, and the Canucks also have uh, Markstrom in their system as well. Um, well, yeah, he's 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 there. He's supposed to be their guy now. Right, yeah, right. So I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't feel too good if I was Markstrom, honestly. Yeah. Um, now, um, just taking then, a look at some of uh, the other. Um, yeah, I have. Picks. I just have two quick guys before. Okay. We, yeah. Yeah. Um, go. Uh, go. Uh, feel free to talk about. And then, them and, and then you I'll can talk, talk to, about whoever you want after. Okay. That. Yeah. Okay. So your two guys that yeah. uh, I probably don't know. Uh, well, I mean, there is one that you probably do know. Uh, I was just going to mention Kale McCarr. I yeah. think that's how you pronounce his name. He went to Colorado. Um, he had, I just mentioned him that he had, he was in the juniors, which is like, a, the lower league from a yeah, CHL. Yeah, this is one, lo- this one league lower than the CHL. Yeah. And he's set to go to UMass Amherst. However, so he's in a, he's in a bad league. However, he had 75 points. He's a defenseman and he played in 54 games, which is 1.4 points per game. Um, this is this is like a risk for Colorado, especially at the four spot. But I I I, th- I think like it, I would like to see how he does in college, um, and I think it would it will work out for him um, um, at UMass Amherst. But um, it's just it's just an interesting move considering that Colorado needs defensemen now, and you know this guy is you know it's a risky pick for them, um, but. Uh, We'll see if that works out for them. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious in that sense of how his future is going to be. I think he can do it. Um, it may not be like a 75 and 5.4 games, but um, it might be something close to that. Like I could see maybe 40 points, which isn't bad for a defenseman. Um, something like that. We'll it see. should be mentioned that he got 10 goals and 55 points in 54 games the year before this one where he yeah. got 24 goals and 75 points. So it's not like uh, he just took off one year. He, right. He's done this before. Um, and then lastly, I have uh, Ely, speaking of Massachusetts college commits. Um, so uh, this was uh, BC had uh, Ely Tolvavin. Um, who uh, had 53 points and 52 games in the USHL, which is like um, just like a developmental league, basically. Um, and uh, just bef- like the day of the draft, um, the BC informs 
Ely told them that he's not going to BC. I guess it's some academic issues. Um, so that's how he slipped far to the draft. I saw a lot of like um, mock drafts that he was like he was going to be uh, you know he was like going to be taken in the teens, um, which I thought was interesting. But um, so he slipped all the way to thirtieth um, to uh, Nashville. Um, and I feel like Nashville got a steal from this, um, and it's like, um, I, I, I just like that move. I, I just, that's all I really wanted to say on that. Um, yeah, well, if, if people don't remember the yeah. 30th overall pick in last year's draft, it was Sam Steele, and he tore up the WHL this yeah. year. So, uh, yeah. 30th overall pick has more height than people think. Um, I, I am curious as to why BC, uh, took away his commit, but, um, like, I think, I would assume he's just going to go to, uh, the CHL now, um, or maybe he'll go to the, it'll be easier for him to just go to the AHL instead, but, um, I, I like this move, um, we'll, we'll, we shall see if it will work out for them, um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, do you have other guys that you want to talk about? Yes, I have, uh, quite a few, there's, okay. um, we, what interests me about Cal Macker is that he reminds me of Tyson Yost in that he started a league level lower than the CHL and he just tore it up and he just really made a statement and he ended up becoming a top 10 pick overnight. Yeah. So um, what also another defenseman that uh, Colorado took is Connor Timmins, um, 13 points in 60 OHL games as a rookie this year, 61 points, 67 games. Uh, just one point in 12 playoff games last year, eight points in 11 games this year. So he also had a big year and benefited from that. Um, also from the Flyers, we mentioned how good Nolan Patrick is. Um, like 20 goal scorer in 33 games is pretty good. Yeah, the year the before Flyers? that, 41 goals and 102 and points. Also they also to- got this guy named... Um, uh, you probably heard of him before. This guy named Strom, Matthew Strom, mm. the last of the Strom brothers to be drafted. He was taken uh, in the fourth round, I believe, um, by the Philadelphia Flyers. I could be wrong on that. that. I'll look this up. It was um, the fourth round. You're right. Fourth round. Okay. Um, what's What's also interesting is the amount of weapons that the Philadelphia Flyers now have. We all We all know that they have Claude Drew. They have Sean Couturier. They have Wayne Simmons. Now you have three solid centers with Nolan Patrick on your roster. They also have a free agent signing named Mike Vichoni, who tore up the college hockey landscape as well. They also got a late first-round pick in Morgan Frost. Uh, seven goals and 27 points as an OHL rookie. 20 goals and 62 points in 67, in 67 games this year. Fourth amongst uh, Sue Greyhound scorers. Um so this the the Flyers really have a lot of upside, uh, especially with Strom, who is six foot four, um, thirty four goals and sixty two points this year, uh, sixteen goals and thirty eight points in sixty one the year before. Um, they have a lot of young guys, including Travis Konechny, that are making strides, and the more strides they continue to make, um, suddenly you're going to realize that the Flyers are going to be dangerously good again. And not just for one year, not just for two years, but for several years. And they just really uh, came out swinging on draft day, and they came away with some uh, pretty good talents 
Um, also, just taking a look at a couple of other guys. Uh, local hockey, the Ottawa 67s, they had two guys get drafted. Noel Hoffemeyer, fourth-round choice of the Arizona Coyotes. He had a big uh, draft year. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next year. Also forward, Sasha Chemilevsky, a late sixth-round pick by former 67 Doug Wilson, who's the GM of the Sharks. Uh, Couture played his junior hockey there. Um, what's interesting about Chemilevsky is that he's been injury-prone the past year or so. But when he has played, uh, when he's on his game, he's very tough to start. So, um, Chemilevsky could become a diamond in a rough for San Jose in the future. Okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, I guess those are a couple guys here. Um, we're now going to the rapid fire. There's a lot of trades going on this week, so we're going to try to cover up. A lot up. of big name trades, too. Yeah, we probably missed a lot of them, too, but we're going to. Uh, we're going to try to cover all the big trades. Um, so we're going to start. So I I put I sectioned this off in terms of teams. Um, the Islanders, the Blackhawks, the uh, Coyotes, and the Blues um, were the four teams that I'm, we're going to talk about because they all made a lot of moves, um, and we'll talk about them now. Uh, so we're going to start with the Islanders. Uh, we I think we, we briefly touched on this in... Um, in our last yesterday's uh, episode, uh, the Vegas Knights got Mikhail Grabowski, Jake Bischoff, uh, 2017 first round pick, which um, turned into. Um, do I have that here? I don't have that. I think it was Nick Suzuki it turned into. Okay. Is that right? Or no, was it Brandstrom? Oh, it was Brandstrom. It was Brandstrom. It's yeah. Um, and a 2019 second-round pick um, for the Islanders not to take whoever. Um, but the important thing, so this is like a, it's like a okay deal. But the the real thing was the next day, Jordan Eberle gets traded to the Islanders um, for uh, Ryan Strom, uh, which is a which is a really good deal. When you think about it, for the Islanders, um, the uh, the Islanders have a lot of cap space now because Grabowski is gone, and also we're going to talk about. Um, I think there's another player who's Hamanick is gone, um, so they have enough room to get like Eberle. Um, they may have a chance to get uh, Duchesne as well. Um, and I think this is all in an effort to get Tavares to stay and sign a contract because uh, they don't want to have like the same situation with Stamkos, like Stamkos and the Lightning had last year. Um, and Tavares is like their best player by far, um, so they have a guy that they can play with. And I think Eberle, um, he had a he had a bad year this year. He had fifty one points in eighty two games, but at the same time, like. I Still think, better than Andrew Ladd. Yeah, better than Andrew Ladd. The guy that they traded away, Ryan Strom, had an even worse year. He had 30 points in um, in 69 games. Slightly better, but um, I think like Ryan Strom like was interviewed saying that he's ecstatic because he just wanted to play with McDavid and he um, he he just he loves this move, I guess. Which I mean, who wouldn't be right? You would you would take the chance to play with McDavid, 
Um, yeah, you get goosebumps, you know, yeah, playing exactly. the best player in the world. Like, no disrespect to DeBarris, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, McDavid's just electrifying. Exactly. So, um, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, a, I, I, it's, I'm not high on Eberle, to be honest, but I think this is the right move and something that Garth Snow had to make because if you want, like, I agree that you should keep Tavares, and I think Eberle's that guy. Um, yeah. Uh, what's your take? Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Garcinot's actually making good trades. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Jordan Neverle, you get him to come in and help uh, out a guy like John Tavares, an underperforming Andrew Ladd, awful first half of his new team. He, he comes in and helps take the pressure off. And then he capitalizes, if you don't mind me skipping to this year, he capitalizes on his ranks to move Travis Hamnick and a conditional fourth in 2019 or 2020 in return from Calgary. He gets a first rounder next year, oh, a was... second rounder next year, and a conditional second yeah. in either 2019 or 2020. I was about and... to mention the Hamnick trade, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, it all intertwines in the fact that the next two drafts, we mentioned how huge the next two drafts yeah. are going to be. He just got a legit first, a legit second, and a conditional second in in a couple of years down the road. And For he, Travis sacrificed a couple of, he, yeah. he sacrificed a couple of solid picks. He got rid of uh, J.F. Berube, got rid of Grobowski's contract, like you mentioned. Yep. He protected Hammond from being selected so he could make this trade. He protected Brock Nelson, who's still in the picture. And then he turned Hammond into more profit. And in the process, he's saving millions of dollars in cap space. Yep. Slam dunk moves all around by Garth Snow. He had a mammoth week for the Islanders. And full kudos to him because yeah. um, this really sets up the Islanders. Especially since, like, well, we were going to talk about the Hammonick trade. Uh, so we they can got... still talk about it from Calgary's point of view. Yeah, no, I was about to. See from the Islanders perspective. I was about to. It's just like, I mean, Hammonick's, like, good, I guess. He's, like, a defensive defenseman. I don't think he's worth like a first and a second of next year and a conditional second round pick. Um, it's just uh, and yet Eberle was yeah. traded for just Ryan, Ryan Strom. Yeah, that's the the other crazy thing too. Um, and that's not even like the worst trade this uh, this week. Um, we're going to talk about Ryan Reeves in a bit, but um, it's just like a. I feel like yeah, you're right. Gar Snow is actually might be a good GM. It's it's interesting. Well, he's showing it for one week at least, yeah. yeah. I think it's just this whole, like, uh, this Tavares contract is looming on his face, so he feels like, oh, I should do something, shouldn't I? Um, yeah. I wonder, though, if there's more in store for the Islanders. Like, are they going to try to get Duchesne? Um, they have enough room for him. Um, I could see it happening. Well, again, if I think you know, you also need some some room to to keep also uh, the rest of your guys. Like, yeah, um, it's true. Just, I'm just going to take a look at their cap friendly page because I feel like guys like Brock Nelson could be up um, could be up for like a new contract soon. I, I don't know why. I just have that itch that someone important other than John Tavares is is up there ready for the taking. So let's see. Uh, Stephen Gianta. Taylor's Lee's got Calvin. two years left before he gets a UFA. 
Andrew Skate, two years left on his deal. Josh Bailey, you're right, one year left on his deal. Chimera, one year left. Um, Tihan is got an a RFA. Couple of RFAs coming up as well. Brock Nelson's an RFA after this year, making two point five million. Calvin DeHaan's, uh, Calvin DeHaan's, DeHaan's an, RFA. an RFA right now. Yeah. So he's, he's yeah, but still they have uh, they have a cap space. They have nine million in cap space, so I think they're they're okay um, in that sense. I don't know. Um, they could, they could try to get Duchesne. I think they're in talks actually with Colorado, but I don't know what the talks are going to lead up to. Yeah. But see, that's the other thing is that they just traded Travis Hammond, who's probably the guy that Colorado was going to ask for. So that's probably the one big mistake Yeah, because Colorado needs defense. But at the same time, you still get a legit first, a legit second and, and, a conditional legit second right. down the road. As well. However, I remember, so, I remember I, Hamannick. I, I, like, I like that from the Islanders' perspective in the sense that they basically regained some of, if not all, of what they gave to Vegas sure. in order to protect their assets. I remember Hamannick said a while ago that he would only he wanted to go to Western Canada because he's like yeah. mother sick or something. I think the Winnipeg was the preferred choice, though. Right, but I think he he wanted to go somewhere in Western Canada. Yeah. So, I don't know he if he would have gone to Colorado. I don't know if he would have gone to Colorado if um, if he had that. If that yeah, was, that's you know, true. Trauma. So what, what's what's interesting though um, about this move is just taking a look at Calgary's defense for a sec. Uh, Michael Stone, Dennis Wyman, both contracts are up. They still have Giordano. They still have TJ Brody. Um, where do they go from here besides those three? Uh, Giordano, Brody, and Hamnick. What's their defense is? What's their defense going to look like? You miss Dougie that's Hamilton. A, that's too. something I'm interested to see. You miss Dougie Hamilton as well. All right, yeah. Can't forget your boy Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite former player. Bruins legend. My favorite player. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It should be interesting to see what Cal- Calgary does, but I think they're okay for now. I know that I don't think TJ Brody had a great season this year, so. Um, that should be interesting too to see if he had, if he has a bounce back season. Um, yeah, that that should also help out Mike Smith as well. Yeah. Another solid defense. Like True. this, is a guy that can play twenty two to twenty three minutes per game. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Chicago. We'll talk about them now. Marion Hosa was uh, put on long term IR today because, uh, or not today, this week. Uh, because they uh, found that he had like an infection on one of his equipment. It was like an odd injury thing, but um, either way, he uh, it saved it saves Chicago some cap space. Um, I like there was some like conspiracy theory going on that this was gonna be like a. Um, I guess that's it's over here. I thought that was you. Is no, that, I'm here. Oh. Is that? Do you hear dogs? I don't know. Anyways. I have a dog at home, but uh, yeah, I don't barking. think he's been yapping yet. Okay, I think that's outside. Um, Ma- uh, Marion Hosa, um, it, there was some conspiracy that they um, Hosa was like, you know, that this would save Chicago's money, and Hosa isn't actually injured because this is such an odd injury, and Chicago just happened to be in salary hell. But at the same time, I don't think I don't understand why Hoso would even lie about this to begin with. Um, so 
But anyways, so it happened. Chicago uh, now has some cap space to make some moves. They trade. Uh, so now they uh, apparently they Chicago trades Panarin, Artemi Panarin, um, Jason Tyler Mott, a 2017 sixth round pick to Columbus for Brandon Saad. Um, and a goalie Anton Forsberg in a 2018 fifth round pick. Um, I think we know Crawford's backup is now. Yeah, reportedly. Yeah, I guess it's Forsberg. Um, reportedly, uh, Taze and Kane went to a be- GM their GM's office, Stan Bowman's. Um, how and they told them how much they missed Sod. And Bauman just took whatever he could get to get uh, Saad back. And that just happened to be Panarin. Um, I think that's just, just a funny story because it's like, not only is um, Kane and Taze like, making $10 million and ruining their cap, they also like are GMs of the team as well. Um, kind of like a LeBron James yeah, of hockey. Yeah, like a Le- LeBron James of hockey. Um, this is actually an interesting trade because I'm curious to see how Panarin does on his own without Patrick Kane, and I'm curious to see how Patrick Kane does without Panarin. Um, I would assume Sad's going to be back on Taze's line because that's where he was when he was originally on the Blackhawks. Um, and I'm, I, I'll just be curious because I know Patrick Kane had like a great year because like the past two years because Panarin was on his line and they were, they gelled so well together. But now Kane, you know, uh, Kane was decent without him. Um, he had like, I think he had like 68 points and, uh, but not like what, uh, he had when he was with Panarin who had, he was like a hundred point player and an 89 point player. So I'll be curious to see, uh, what the hap- what happens there. Um, yeah, uh, Panarin had 74 points in 82 games. Brandon Smith, uh, Brandon Saad didn't have a terrible season either. Uh, 53 but he wasn't points. as good as Panarin. No, it wasn't. 53 points in 82 games. Um, it's a weird move for Chicago, to be honest, but um, it's one of those things where it's like you can't really question them because they seem to know what they're doing, but I don't know. This is a weird, it's a weird move for them. See, uh, on the one hand, I think Brandon is a solid fit in Chicago. I mean, his value as a leader, his ability to produce 50 to 60 points a year, that's part of the character they've been lacking over the past two years. Mm-hmm. And in each of those past two years, they've been in an exit in the first round. In fact, they got swept right. in uh, four straight and only scored three goals against the Preds, who, right. to their credit, made it to the finals. But still, Chicago got swept by Nashville. That doesn't... I don't think that's ever yeah. happened before. But like, but um, at the same time, like Panarin isn't the reason why the Blackhawks had a first round exit twice in a row. You know, it's yeah. And I, I think their their hope is that you know they can break, they can party like it's 2015 again by bringing one guy back. Yeah. But here's what Brandon Saad doesn't have that Panarin does that he can gel with different line mates. Like I think he. Gelled a little bit with Patrick Kane. I know he gelled a little bit with Artem Anisimov as well. This is a guy who can score 30 goals, put up 60 points in the NHL. Um, you put him in a situation with Columbus, with Cam Atkinson, with Alexander Wenberg. Yep. Like they got so many offensive weapons that uh, that they'll 
that'll benefit from Panarin's ability to to create offense. Um, and you all heard about you know oh Chicago's going to do something big in the off season that yep. changes were going to be coming. This was the big hammer drop that we were waiting for that we didn't think was going to happen, and now it's here and it's happened. It's just taken us completely by surprise. But um, what's interesting to me for Columbus is not only do they get Artemi Panarin, not only do they get a good prospect in Tyler Mott, Pierre-Luc Dubois is staying put. Sonny Milano is staying put. Dante Salaturo they traded to Minnesota, who, to be perfectly honest, he was good in the junior leagues, but he's not very tall. You know, size isn't really his strength. So giving up Dante Salaturo and acquiring all of these pieces and keeping the key pieces that you have in Milano and uh, Dubois, it's just huge that they were able to get so much and give up so little. So um, in in that respect, um, Columbus only parted ways with Brandon Saad. That's the only key piece they parted ways with. They gained on pretty much every other front. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'd be curious to see. I just want to see. How, I think this is one of those deals where, like, I could see either team like winning this trade, um, but like it's. it's just I frankly hope both teams you. win. Well, maybe not Chicago because you know, <laughs> Chicago's winning. We're used to them winning. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if Sod's the answer, though, um, per se. Um, we'll see. Um, the uh, okay. Uh, also, the Blackhawks traded uh, Nicholas Yarmulson, um to Arizona, um, and he can un- unite with his uh, Swedish uh, countryman uh, OEL or the Swedish law firm, as we call him here, um, yeah. to Arizona. Um, in return, the Coyote, uh, the Blackhawks get Laurent Defon and Connor Murphy. Um, I was just looking here. Connor Murphy. Um, wait, I thought I. Was I think playing. they signed him to like a six-year deal, and is and he's not getting paid all that much, so it's a good long-term yeah. uh, cap-friendly deal for Chicago. Uh, yeah, he's 24 years old. Uh, he had 17 points in 77 games, which um, I mean, Yarmolson was uh, like a defense, a stay-at-home defenseman as well. So I think that's a lot uh, has a lot to do with it. Um, he's also he had two points in uh, eight games in the World uh, World Cup. Is that right? I have it here. That is. Did he play for? Did he play for them in the World Cup of Hockey? Did uh, we're talking about Connor Murphy, right? Yeah, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at elite prospects, and it said that he had that that statistic, but I don't know if this is the. Yeah, I think that this is the World Cup. Um, so yeah, he had. Or maybe uh, the World Championship. It could be the World yeah. Championships. He's also. I'm just looking here. He's from Boston, Mass. So yeah, huh? he's 24 years old, um, but he's younger than me. So that, there's that. But um. Yeah, he, uh, uh, 70 points, 77 games. Um, this is an interesting pick, too, because we were just referring to the last episode with, with Mathot, and, like, you know, Dromelson's one of the best stay-at-home defensemen there is. Um, yeah. And they give, him, they give him away for basically, like, these two prospects. 
Um, you know, you would think that they they could have gotten more for that because you know stay at home defensemen should cost a lot. Um, but it's um, I don't know. Maybe Connor Murphy will work out for them. I like this for Arizona though, uh, which we're about to talk about more in more detail soon. But um, yeah, Jolson's one of the more underrated defensemen there is out there. Um, he's very, you know, he's he's just a stay-at-home guy. Um, he doesn't show it on the scoreboard, but you know, he has he has a potential. And I think it's just um, I would rather have this if I were. Uh, I think Coyote, the Coyotes won this trade, but um, yeah, I don't know. What what do you say? Yeah, I, I think the Coyotes get more of what they need, and they need a stay-at-home defenseman. Like, Goligosi is the closest thing to a stay-at-home defenseman that they have. Yep. Um, we all know what Oliver ekman Larson is. He's a power play specialist, um, and they, they just need a veteran experience uh, to fill out their top four, and Jolmerson brings that. And he brings playoff experience, too, which is also what they need if, if they're going to be a playoff team. Yep. Like everyone's hoping they're going to be with all the talent that they have. They need guys like Johnson to help them take that next step. And I really think um, Arizona was able to make this deal because of the prospects that they had. They were willing to part ways with a talented prospect in Laurent Dauphin um, because they had guys like Brandon Berlini in their system, like Dylan Strom in their system, um, Christian Dvorak and Max Domi who have already um, – who have already made strides in this league, guys like Anthony Duclair, who they hope can return to that kind of form uh, to be an, a regular in the NHL. So um, I, I think this was a smart move by the Arizona Coyotes. I think this is a move that Chicago inevitably was going to have to make because um, I just took a look at their cap-friendly page, and they're still not out of the salary cap hell that they're in. So, Well, I, I, I don't um, think they took it. it I it's a tough, move, a tough move to make, but I, I think... You know, if you're going to make a trade like uh, if you're if you're going to take on more cash, then you know the the fact of the matter is they traded one big contract uh, in Panarin, but acquired another big contract in Brandon Saad. Yeah. So I mean, that was the original. Any, cha- any change they would have made cap wise would cancel itself out with that. And, that and that was so. initially why they traded away Sad uh, two years ago was because yes. of contracts. Um, yeah, for the exact reason, yeah. Yeah, it is a strange move. And I think, I don't think Cap Friendly took into Marion, I don't think Marion Hosa is on long-term injured reserve yet. So I think well, that true. that has that effect there. So um, we'll see. Um, but even then, it's, it's, yeah. it's not, doesn't give them much to work with. True, true. Only gives them a couple million. Yeah, they have, yeah, that's true. Um, the, uh, all right, yeah, so speaking of Arizona, they made another deal. By the way, uh, Marion Hosa is a Hall of Famer. Um, we might have seen the last of him, though. So um, Yeah, I, I, I think this could be it for him. I mean, yep. he's got four years left on his deal, but realistically, even if he was playing this year, I think it, I think his career has run its course. It's sad that it had to, like, the, that's how he ended his career, but um, yeah. it was a good career for him, though. So, yeah. Um, he was a I still, senator. I still wish he was in Ottawa. Yeah, I was about to say he was a senator. That's how he started. So, but um, thank you, Danny Healy, for nothing. <laughs> yeah, that one good year, Danny Healy. Yeah, he had that one good year. <laughs> um, 
the Ranger. Um, speaking of Arizona, uh, the Ra- uh, Jonathan Chica also like is basically Garth Snow as well. Um, he made a lot of good moves today. Yeah, he um, was feeling it this week too. Uh, Rangers finally got a first round pick because of this trade as well. So Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta go to the Coyotes for a 2017 first, which uh, turned into Leas Anderson and Anthony D'Angelo. Um, Stepan is one of the better like two-way forwards in the game. He's also a little underrated because of that. Um, he has 360 points in 515 games. I, I'd be curious to see how he does um, in Arizona um, on a new team like this. He's only 27 years old, which is kind of cool. Um, but he should be like a he should give like a good experience to Arizona, um, who are who are going to be young, especially when Clayton Keller and Dylan Strom are probably going to be on the team uh, this year. Um, and uh, they also got uh, the Rangers got um, Anthony D'Angelo back or not back uh, Anthony D'Angelo who had 14 points in 39 games for Arizona. I had him on my fantasy team for a bit, and I was kind of surprised that he they put him back down to the AHL. But even in the AHL, I'm looking at his stats now. His AHL stats weren't bad either. He had 16 points in 23 games um, in the AHL. And they uh, the Rangers haven't had a first-round pick since, like, 2012 or something like that. Really? Yeah. So they got it. Oh, yeah, it's probably because they, they traded away because that's what they do. You know? Well, yeah, because like, I think like one of them was for the Rick Nash trade. I think one was for um, they had uh, Marion Gabbard a couple years later, which was, you know, something like that. And, like, it was just a bunch of different players that they kept on trading away. Um, and they um, – oh, Keith Yandel was one of the guys. Yeah, right, Yandel got, was another. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they got, uh, Leas Anderson as the seventh round pick. Um, he looks to be a, like a younger... Seventh overall, you mean, right? What did I, oh, did I say seventh round? You yeah, said seventh, seventh round, seventh, seventh, seventh it's, it's overall. It's been a long time, we've been meant. talking for three hours now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, apparently he's like a... Their, their choice was kind of odd, I'm just like, I'm just like, have I, have I ever heard of this guy before? Yeah. He is a Swedish guy. He's a two-way center, so he's basically just a younger Derek Stepan. Um, oh, okay. He uh, he had. Um, I'm just looking at his Swedish stats in the SHL, which I guess is the Swedish league. Um, he had 19 points in 42 games. But it says here they don't have like face-off stats here. But it says that he has a strong two-way game, so he's a very good two-way player. Um, mm-hmm. He's ranked. Uh, number three in NHL Central Scouting on the e, on the uh, European skaters, so there's that. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that they went with him instead of like a guy like Gabe Velarde or uh, Owen Tippett who are available. But I was also looking at this in terms of the for the Rangers, they don't have um, they got rid of um, they don't have Oscar Lindbergh. Uh, I think. Mika Zabinajad and, um, you know, they got rid of... Yeah, that's Eric right. Zabinajad is an RFA this year, isn't he? Yeah, he's an RFA. Brandon Peary is an uh, UFA. JT Bramner's Miller, a UFA, I know that. Yeah, JT Miller is their only center that they have locked on for this year. Um, 
and I mean, assuming, well, Mika Zibanejad is an RFA, so um, they're likely going to sign him back. But, like, you know, the Rangers have a center problem now. I wonder if, I always say this, but they might want to, they might be going for Matt Duchesne or maybe getting uh, Martin Hansel or uh, Joe Thornton um, in free agency this week. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting move. Oh, uh, Kevin Hayes is also another center that they have, but um, I don't think. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fitting that they now now if they have a first round pick, they just trade that away. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be funny. Actually, <laughs> they just like they're like we hate first round picks. We just have to trade them all away. Yeah, um, but we'll um, trade them for a previous first round pick that we know is good. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Rangers are probably. And they also dropped uh, Dan Girardi this year, so they have yep. a lot of cap space. I'm, I, I think they might be going for Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, yeah, because there was there was there was always that chatter. It was either Philly yeah. or the Rangers? I think it was that Shattenkirk would probably go to. And Shattenkirk's from New York. I think it would fit yep. in with them, um, but. At the same time, they also need. Then they need to worry about their center because they got rid of Stepan. Um, I'm curious about that, but um, we'll see. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that trade. Well, uh, for, from an Arizona standpoint, I like what they did. They got a they got a more younger number yep. one center, like you know, not young, young, but young, not Shane Doan kind of mm-hmm. old, right? And so he's still got some term to him. Antti Ranta is a pretty good goalie. He's a good 1A, 1B rotation with Chad Johnson um, between the pipes. What's interesting to me is where does that leave Louis Domingue yep. in goal? Like, is he an AHL goalie? Do they trade him? Do they waive him? Do they buy him out? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, they also have Chad Johnson, too. I get, I, my, my thought is, well, he's surely going to be the backup, if anything, to Chad Johnson. Yeah. I don't know. I could see – I mean – I could see Anthony Ranta being the starter there. Like, you know, the, the Rangers also traded away Cam Talbot. Um, you know, Ranta, yeah. Ranta played pretty well with, um, went for backup for uh, Lundqvist. So, um, when when Lundqvist was, was hurt, he, he played admirably well for him as yeah. well. Um, speaking of which, I guess we have to get going here. Uh, Shane Doan uh, is parting ways with the Coyotes, and Tippett left. Um, reportedly, Cheka said that he wanted Tippett to stay, but Tippett just wasn't having it, I guess. Um, which, I guess, is the right move, too, when you think about it, because they're trying to go well, younger. You're like, you miss the playoffs five straight years after yeah. making your first three. You can only take so much losing off, as a coach. Yeah. Uh, that would piss you off, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like Arizona has the brightest future out of any team, really. Um, maybe yeah, Toronto. It's, it's but, unfortunate that he didn't get to see it, that he doesn't want to see it through. But, right, but like Clayton Keller and Dylan Strom are like the two biggest prospects like out there. And, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to see them. Um, but maybe he's more up for a veteran group. Yeah. Uh, Shane Doan, um, is also not going to be on the Coyotes. Um, I think the Coyotes. Only this time the organization doesn't want him back. Yeah. Uh, Whereas the, they want a tippet to stay. Yep. Um, Doan apparently reportedly, although uh, the Coyotes said that 
they offered Doan a front office role or like a, you know a, on the business side of things. Um, yeah, we're not sure if Doan has accepted that yet. Apparently, Doan has gotten some interest from other teams. I don't see why people would. Other than like he's I think, forty years old, I think old, a front office know? role would be good for him when he's retired, and yeah. maybe when he feels satisfied with at least chasing or contending for a Stanley yeah. Cup, which he hasn't done in a couple of years. But I don't see so, what team would want him though. I don't even think he would be like a good fourth line guy. I don't know. I think a team like Edmonton could take a chance on him. You'd be surprised. All right, I'll, I'll, I, I'd love to see him go to Edmonton, watch a guy like Connor McDavid, and and just coast. You know, maybe chip in ten to fifteen yeah, goals here and but, there. He's, I mean, he's still got some offensive punch. I think he was close to a 30-goal scorer a few years ago. Yeah, but he had like 20 He had twenty points this year. I don't know. Yeah, he's not the Shane Doan of old. We all know that. No, I but know I that, too. But I still think too. he's a useful player. I, I just don't know, like, what team would want him, really. But, all right, I guess. I, I think I think he's going to go to a cup. cup I think he's going to go to a cup contender, and if he doesn't get enough offers, then he retires. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think if that. there's a chance for him to chase a cup and he feels there's a legit shot, he's going to sign on. Uh, now we go off to the Blues. Uh, they get Braden Shen from Philadelphia for Jory Latura, a 2017 first, which uh, Steve mentioned was Morgan Frost. And they also get a 2018 first conditional. I don't know what that conditional is, but uh, they have that. Um, this could be a good pick. I know Braden Shen's kind of been a disappointment um, in his career, but um, he could use a fresh start. Um, that would be interesting. Um, yeah, and number one center position, probably playing on the same line as Tarasenko. Yeah, I mean, Paul Stastny, he's not the player he once was. Um, so I think it's a fresh start for both Braden Chen and the St. Louis Blues. Um, new scenery as well. Yep. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they end up doing. What's, what's kind of funny but sad in a way is that Nolan Patrick, the second question he was asked is like, it, because Braden Shen also played in the Brandon Weekings. How well do you know Braden Shen? What's it going to be like to play on his team? Right. <laughs> Not even a short time later, Braden Shen traded to the St. Louis Blues. Well, so much for that theory. That's funny. Actually. So I, I think once they knew they were getting Nolan Patrick, I think that was that was a that was the key. Okay, let's pull the trigger now. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, by the way, the the flyer like Nolan Patrick will probably be pretty good there. Um, you know, yeah. they have Claude Drew, Wayne Simmons. Borisek, so... Um, yeah, I totally maybe. forgot about Borisek. Jeez, yeah. Ryan Reeves in a 20... Uh, yeah, the Blues also made a deal. They protected Ryan Reeves, which was... We were laughing at it, basically. But now, who's laughing now? Ryan Reeves in a 2017 second, which um, turned into Zachary Lazon, which is a Bruins prospect, Jeremy Lazon's brother. Um... So Ryan Reeves goes to Pittsburgh for a 2017 first, and Oscar Sundquist, that 2017 first, turned into Clem Costin, uh, who was ranked number one European skater by NHL Central Scouting. I just think that's funny. Um, it's also fitting that on the year that the Zach Ronaldo trade um, is complete, there is another trade that's even worse than that. Um, this is a 2017 first uh, for an enforcer. I know Rutherford was talking about how like Crosby and Malkin were uh, attacked so much in the playoffs, um, and like they need an enforcer and some a guy that people would be scared of. 
But at the same time, like, it's not an enforcer's league anymore. It's not, um, and Ryan Reeves isn't that good of a player. So it's, it's like, um, it's a questionable move. But at the same time, you know, like, Pittsburgh, and also Pittsburgh won the Stanley Cup back-to-back. Um, they don't, it's like, what are you doing here? It doesn't make sense to me, but, um... <laughs> You also look at the fact that Crosby, Malkin, like Crosby, I'm a thought. I think they could take care of themselves pretty yeah. well. I think Crosby's slashing tactics just intimidate people enough as it is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, on, on the one, on the other hand, though, how entertaining is it going to be just to watch Racco Gudis and Ryan Reeves in those uh, Pittsburgh Philly matchups next year, just staring at each other, just staring one of them to drop a glove? Like, yeah, that's a good point. Th- those are going to be two heavyweights going at it. I, I'm, I'm interested to see. If things get out of control, if those two fight, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess there's that. It's just, I don't know. I feel like this isn't an enforcer's league, and it's just, it just slows. And it's a comical. It's a comical trade. Like this yeah. is uh, like they. I I saw an article of how off season uh, trades are just full of silliness. This yeah. is the definition of silliness. Yep. Um. At least it, at least uh, Sweeney's off the hook. Um, yeah, for the worst trade. he doesn't look as bad now. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think uh, they said that uh, Reeves said of the trade that like when he first heard that he was traded for a 2017 first, he he didn't even believe it either, which is crazy too. But um, so St. Louis uh, had a pretty good dra- uh, pretty good trade um, deadline here, but um, we'll see. Did I lose you? Oh, I'm here. Okay, you're here. Um, this is probably the longest we've been on the Skype call ever <laughs> in, our, in our two years. Yeah. Uh, TJ Oshie, uh, speaking of former St. Louis Blues uh, players, uh, TJ Oshie gets an eight-year extension with the Caps, $5.75 million annual average value. Uh, he's 30 years old. Um he also had 107 points in 148 games. I thought, I knew that, I had a feeling that Washington was probably going to resign Oshi because um, he didn't really seem to, um, just the way that they've been saying things in the media. But, um, I don't know, eight years is a long time. I feel like they're going to, Washington's going to regret this uh, in a couple of years, but... Uh, for now, well, here's the kicker. Like they're they're paying him five point six million dollars a year. Yeah, this is the first year he surpassed thirty goals. Yeah. Um, in the next two years, eight million this year, seven point five million the next. They still have to re-sign Carl Alsner. They still have to re-sign Evgeny Kuznetsov. They still have to re-sign Andre Burakovsky. They still have to re-sign Dmitry Orlov. Yeah. So you would think that with all those four key guys they need to keep around, there's little to no chance that Justin Williams has a job with the Caps uh, right. beyond um, the next tracker. couple of months because yep. how else are they going to keep him unless he gets a, unless he decides to take a discount, there's no way Justin Williams stays. Yeah, that's true. Or uh, Kevin Shattenkirk even. Well, um, yeah, well we know Kevin Shattenkirk has got bigger and better yeah. plans like but Broadway. I, I have a feeling that... Uh, Justin Williams is gone too. I don't. I, I don't think they were trying to. I don't know. Um, I don't think he he played as great as he could 
Um, so I don't know. I, I I'd be okay if I was Washington and letting Justin Williams go. But um, well, yeah, I mean, if he can't win a game seven for you, I guess. Yep. Time to hit the road. The thing with because that's that's where he makes his money is in game seven. The thing with Oshi is is that he only so you were saying that this is the first year he had thirty three he had thirty goals. Yep. Um He also played in sixty eight games. Um, so he he could have. He could have potentially had like forty goals um, if he played a full season, which is kind of crazy. Um, so which I don't think it's happened very often, considering uh, at times he's been prone to injuries. So. Right. Uh, he's yeah. He hasn't played a full season. Um, I'm looking at his stats right now. He has never played a full season. Um, even in the lockout shortened year, he he played in thirty years, uh, thirty games. Um, Patrick Eves. Uh, gets a three-year deal with the Ducks, $3.1 million annual average value. Um, he actually played pretty well for the uh, for the um, the Ducks in the last 20 games. He had like uh, he had tw- uh, 14 points in 20 games for them. Um, I, I like this move. Uh, it's like a good depth add for them. Uh, we'll see if it works out for them um, in the future. But, yeah, this, yeah. this works out for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. He got 32 goals this year. Yeah. Um, Fowler remains unsigned to a long-term deal. He's got one year left at $4 million. Uh, what also interests me is that they continue to build in their future. Uh, they drafted Maxime Contois, second-round pick that they received from Toronto. I believe that was um, another pick. And uh, the Fred Anderson deal, they got Sam Steele 30th overall yeah. last year. Um, and this year, um, Comtois scored 26 goals, uh, sorry, he got 26 goals and 60 and 60 points in 62 games as a rookie. This year he got 22 goals and 51 points in 64 games. So, uh, even though this team is contending right now, they look to be in good shape moving forward. And that's a good sign uh, that the Ducks scouting staff continues to be on the top of their game. Okay. Uh, Chris Russell got a four-year deal with the Oilers, four million annual average value. Uh, Oilers still have uh, RFA, uh, Drysdale's an RFA, and McDavid's uh, reportedly going to get fourteen million sometime this summer. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. This is a weird trade. I'm like, I'm mixed on Chris Russell. Like, I don't think he's great offensively. Um, in, in fact, he's a deficiency on that. Like he's work, like it's counterproductive in that sense. But he also blocks a lot of shots. Um, well, yeah, he led the league in block shots this year. Yeah. He, I believe he's a beast with Calgary um, a couple of years back as well. So, and when Giordano got hurt that one year, he he uh, helped keep that top four defense afloat. And yeah. when he was brought in as a top four D, he was exactly that. But that was like at a cheaper price. Right. And now they're paying him not only $4 million per year, they're doing that for not one, not two, not three, but four years. Yeah. And I'm really wondering if Edmonton could become this year's Florida Panthers, in a sense, they could be good, but they could be not. Right. I mean, you look at Everlade, all they get is Ryan Strom. The year before, we all know Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. No yeah. draft picks, no prospects, just those two guys, Larson and Strom, for Hall and Everlade. Yeah. And you look at the return that the Islanders got for Travis Hamnick. Heck, you look at the return that uh, the the um, 
the Blues got for trading Ryan Reeves to Pittsburgh. Right. And that's all Edmonton is able to do. Like, yes. and it's it's just, I don't know what the heck Peter Shirelli um, is doing right now. I really yeah. don't. Like, I love the Kyler uh, Yamamoto uh, selection. Yep. But everything else, I'm just, my brain is joggled. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is also, um, this is like uh, everyone who was uh, anti-Shirelli guy when he was here in Boston. Yeah. Probably celebrating right now. They're like, see, you know, he ruined the cap. Because, like, this isn't surprising if you follow the Bruins when he was here. You know, he uh, signed uh, Seidenberg for a long-term contract. Chris Kelly was another guy. I think there was another one I'm blanking on. I think, like, Campbell was another guy who he signed yeah. who overvalued as well. And then, he, you know, he had that famous Tyler Sagan trade. And, he, and you know, and, and now, like, we're still, like, Sweeney did a good job in terms of um, making, like, cleaning the cap for us a bit. But it's still, like, uh, for, you know, Shirelli, like, screwed the Bruins' future forever. And now, like, I'm looking at their cap-friendly page. Dry Settles, an RFA. McDavid's going to be a, um, a, you know, can sign for a long-term contract soon. And so pretty soon, they're, like, the Oilers are going to be in cap hell because those guys are going to want a lot of money. And Shirley's yeah. probably going to give it to them. Not saying exactly. that they aren't worth and, it. And, and you look but at you look at the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks, and you look how how much of a cap hell they're in, and they can manage. They can still contend yep. because at least they're able to draft well and develop. The Oilers can't do that yet. Right. Yeah, they're not Chicago for that reason. They don't <laughs> draft like Chicago does. Well, so yeah, they absolutely have to manage the cap right now. If they don't, they're done. Although I do like the Cal Kalir uh, Yamamoto. Uh, yeah, pick, that's so. a start, but they need more yeah, than, they need more than, than that. Tire as well, though. That's true, but maybe but that's the Hawks like been doing this for years and years. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, maybe that's like a. I mean, Shirelli was never actually great in drafting. He was the only like one that was really only uh, Sagan and Hamilton and Pasternak, and those were all first round picks. So yeah. Um, but and the like, knock on the Oilers is, yeah. you know, what do they do beyond the first round? Like, they rely on the first round so heavily. Right, exactly. And that's that's not a great thing to do, exactly. Um, all right, now we go to Bruins Sens. Finally, it's been a long <laughs> episode. We've been, <laughs> we've been talking forever here. Uh, it's an hour 30 in this next episode here, um, which isn't too bad. Uh, did he... This was uh, this was literally an hour ago. I forget who went first. I believe you went first last okay, time. Okay, so you go first this time. Yeah, I'm going to make it actually quicker, much quicker okay. than my previous rant. So, who did Ottawa draft? Well, uh, their first round choice at six foot two, uh, 28th overall, they took Halifax, Nova Scotia, Shane Bowers, uh, center, 28th overall, as I said. Got some upside to his game, played in the USHL this year, 60 games. He got 22 goals and 51 points with Waterloo. Only spent 20 minutes in the Sinbin all year. Um, in the same amount of game time, roughly, he got 33 points as a rookie. So going from 33 to 51, that's not too bad. Um, 
like a lot of people have done, he's made some adjustments in his draft year. Also a top 10 scorer in the USHL, which is impressive. Um, so he's also committed to Boston University as well. Should be noted there. Um, after that, they picked left winger Alex Formanton, who scored 16 goals and 34 points in 65 games as a rookie with the OHL's London Knights. Uh, given the fact that everyone seems to do well in their second year, at least from what we've seen in this year's draft class, hopefully year two is going to be a big one for Mr. Formanton. Uh, fourth round steal, potentially. Another Nova Scotia center by the name of Drake Batherson. He got 58 points in 61 games to the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. In the sixth round, they went with goaltender Jordan Hollett, who recorded a 2.63 goals against average in 19 games with the WHL's Regina Pats. Um, they didn't necessarily swing for the fences in this draft, but they didn't really have to. They have the foundation already in place. They have Shabbat. They have White. They have Logan Brown uh, waiting in the wings. Uh, they have more than enough guys in their future. Um that are playing right now for this team. Uh, we, it's not, it's not anybody that uh, nobody would know. Um, they've got a lot of good players um, waiting to make their next step over the next few drafts. As we said before, there's going to be a lot of solid talent and more so as opposed to this year's draft. So that's when Ottawa scouting staff is really going to be tested. But uh, in my opinion, they didn't really have to do much in this draft. They got a couple of solid guys to add to their already impressive uh, scouting pool. Um, so overall, I'm not blown away, but I'm satisfied with what Ottawa did. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's tough to know. Like, I feel like this is one of those drafts where, like, uh, from three to fifth, like three to thirty-one, like it's just a crapshoot. Like they could be really good players or they could just be t- all terrible players so it's well, it's one of those wait and see kind of moments so we'll see um so the Bruins had an interesting draft um it wasn't as exciting as the last two drafts because you know we didn't have two first round picks or even three first round picks but um so they picked I thought we were going to go with a forward. I, as I said earlier in this episode, I wanted them to go with Kelly or Yamamoto and maybe take a chance on Ryan Poiling, but they went with Yuroho Vakaninen. I think that's how you pronounce it. I mean, I actually have the pronunciation here. Vakaninen um, as their first pick. Um, there have been like, there were rumors that the Bruins were trying to get Jonas Brodeen. There's also rumors that they were going to get, uh, Marco Scandella, um, who are both left-handed defensemen and stay-at-home guys. Um, but Euro Vakanian appears to be that guy. Um, so this is, this might, if he is as projected, um, he'll be like McAvoy's um, stay-at-home defenseman, um, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Um, we don't have a ton of left-handed defensemen out there, so um, so this guy could be like a you know a good defensive. We don't have a ton of defensive defensemen in our system, so this is a good pick for us. I I was questioning it just mostly because I'd never heard of this guy before, um, and now that I've kind of, like, learned a bit about him. I'm like, yeah, actually, this, I, I'm, I'm okay with this. 
Um, I feel I still would have rather gone with Yamamoto. Um, I was really excited about him, but whatever. Um, we got back and on him, or back. I'm gonna just call, start calling him back. Um, yeah. I don't know if he'll uh, he'll make the league soon, but we'll see. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll be in the pros soon, but we'll see. I, I this also makes you wonder because I know uh, we also have uh, Zaborel, who's a left-handed defenseman, and I think Jeremy Lazan is also a left-handed defenseman. So um, it is kind of like it does make those guys maybe expendable as well. But you know, as they say, you can never have too many defensemen, as we'll find out because we got a lot of defensemen. Uh, Jack Stunica was our second round pick, um, from the Oshawa Generals. Um, yeah, his brother uh, is Sam Stunica. Used to play for the sixty sevens as well. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, he's might, got he's uh, got some OHL roots uh, from his brother as well. Yeah, you might you you probably know a little bit more about him than I do at the moment. But he had um, he had a uh, he had a great playoffs as from what I understand he. Uh, like, I think he had, like, 18 points in 20 games or something like that. Um, but he had, uh, and he had, this year he had 52 points in 64 games. Um, oh, here it is. He had 15 points in 11 games in the playoffs. Um, I I don't think he'll be, like, a top six guy when all set is done in, you know, two or three years or even four years. But, um, you know, this could be a good pick for them. You know, we have, you know, uh, JFK was a second-round pick. Um, Ryan Lindgren, who's in at Harvard right now, is also looking good. Brandon Carlo is another second-round uh, draft pick for us. Jeremy Lazan is another guy. So, um, you know, uh, we usually do pretty well in the first, in the second round um, in terms of picks like that. So um, this could work out for him. It could be, like, another one where, like, we... We just hit a gold mine in that sense, but we'll see. Um, and then we get into some weird uh, picks here. Uh, we pick a goalie in our fourth round uh, with Jeremy Swayman from uh, the USHL. Um, he's going to Maine uh, next year, but um, so he could be decent. But as I think uh, Michael DiPietro was off the board at the point, at that point, um, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, we don't have him, um, but, uh, he could be, he could be good, he could be bad, uh, we'll see, but it is interesting that we went with a goalie at this point, uh, we had, in the sixth round, we got Cedric Paris from the St. John Sea Dogs, uh, which is Jacob Saboril's, uh, team, um, he's a center, he's another, like, two-way forward, um, he kind of has, so he has the Bergeron, uh, JFK kind of um, feeling to him. Um, so it may work out for him, but it's, like, you know, it's a six-round pick. And then we went with the two defensemen for our seventh-round pick with Victor Berglund and Daniel Bukak. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so um, I don't know if any of those got those four guys that I just mentioned will make it to the pros at any point, but we do have those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I would have rather. I feel like we're good at defensemen um, over like 
before this draft, and I guess it never hurts to have more defensemen if you look at our playoffs and the like our troubles the past couple of years where you know defensemen is uh, hard to come by and you know you don't want to like and it's it's even harder to trade for them because just in terms of getting value back for them so um, so I think it's like it is important to get these defensemen but at the same time we have a lot of def- we had a lot of defensemen already with McAvoy, Carlo, um, Lazan, Zaboral, um, Ogara. Um, I think there's another one I'm probably missing too, but you know, that, that's, that's like pretty good in terms of defensemen. I'm not sure, I guess you can never have too many defensemen. So I feel like, I don't know. I would rather have gone with a winger or a center there, but, um, I uh, got more centers or wingers, but um, whatever it is, what it is at this point, Sweeney has a good track record so far in the draft. That's it's been his biggest strength as a GM. Um, so, um, so maybe he knows what he's doing, and there's a reason why I'm I'm on a podcast, and he's he's actually a GM. So we'll see. It's one of those things, um, especially with everyone, not just the Bruins, but everyone. You really don't get to yeah. know what these guys are going to be until like a year or two after they're exactly. drafted. Especially when what they were saying this year is that it hasn't, it wasn't like a great draft to begin with. And I don't know if it's, um, so it, it's, it's like, it's even more of a crapshoot. Like these guys, all these guys could be really good or it could be all these guys could be really bad. You know, we, we don't know. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, this is long for me. Uh, social media, uh, Twitter at Lace Some Podcast, uh, Facebook Lace Them Up. Uh, we're on Fan Tracks uh, or SoundCloud as of yet, um, and I have an article. If it should be out by now, I'm not positive yet, but it should be. Um, it's about top 10, um, top 10 unrestricted free agents, which we'll talk about sometime next week, maybe two weeks. I'm going to be away for a bit. So, um, yeah, maybe four of them will be signed by then. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It'll be a while till we, um, record again, but, uh, hopefully this, um, two episodes in two days is enough to whet your guys' appetite. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll have more signings in episode 84 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Yeah.